Welcome to the Runners Jam podcast, coming to you from Brisbane, Australia. I'm Condi Canudo. And I'm Sandy Canudo. And we're runners who love chatting all things running and triathlon. The Runners Jam is a place where we can share stories, encourage each other, and most of all, continue to build great friendships. So if running's your thing, then the Runners Jam is for you. Wow, babe, did you like that new intro? Love the intro, honey. <laughs> <laughs> it was good. I hope you like it out there. Let us know if you don't. That's okay. Uh, we're going to use that one for the time being anyway. So until some, until we make up something else. Okay, so um, how was training this week? This week? Mm. Yeah. It was wet. It it's was very wet. It's been so wet here. It's been great. Mm. It's March at the moment here in Brisbane yeah. and um, we've had just torrential rain for the last – Oh, a few weeks, haven't we? Yeah, a few weeks. Yeah, so. been We've been great. running in the rain, people. We've Which been has been gorgeous, but I do have to say um, there were amphibians. Oh, yes. For those who, who were there, you know, we appreciate your um, dedication, dedication to, running, to in running in the rain. Especially a hill session in the rain. Yes, exactly. So, yes, yeah, so... As we were running along the path, there were a few little amphibians, a few little toads that were actually dead, weren't they? they oh, were it was dead gross. Toads. There was it a was lot of gross. dead toads along the path, weren't there, it baby? It was. It was awful. Only in Australia. Yeah, exactly. So we had to remove them. Well, I didn't remove them. I didn't remove them. <laughs> but some braver <laughs> yeah, people than yes. me did. Thank you, Kerry, yes. if you're listening. Thank, thank you, Kerry. You you're a hero. <laughs> removing some of those um, dead toads along yeah. the path. Thank you so much. So we look forward to toad-free roads again. I hope so. In the near future. Yes. So what have we got on today, baby? What's happening today with okay. this podcast? So today we're actually um, – it's from a recording we did in February That's right. of this year with Abby Coleman. And mm. Abby is a sports scientist with the Precision Hydration Team. Um, they know everything, sweat and hydration. Yes, they do, don't they? Great information, yeah. So this is, um, as we said, it was a Zoom call that we did. So Abby was in the middle of lockdown over in the UK. Yes, she was. We were running in incredible heat at that time in February. I was prepping for a race. That's um, right, your first triathlon? No, my second triathlon. Sorry, second triathlon, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> first half Ironman yeah. distance triathlon, yeah, sorry was, to say. So it was, sorry, it was really great to have that information. Um from Abby and the sweat experts at Precision mm-hmm. Hydration before the event, and I will say it made such a difference. So, anyway, let's get straight into it. Let's listen to Abby, sit back, enjoy, and listen out for the promo codes at the end. Okay, enjoy. Here's Abby. Bye. Abby, it's great to have you on the Runners Jam podcast. Can you tell us a little about yourself? Yeah, sure. Um, so, my background. Um, is in sport and exercise science. That's what I did my degree in. And I did that at the University of Bath here in the UK. So that's down in the southwest. It's a lovely part of the UK. If anyone ever gets a chance to come over to the UK, go to Bath. It is great. Um, And whilst studying, I was also fortunate enough to work at the Porsche Human Performance Centre in Silverstone. Um, So that's the F1 circuit here in the UK. and that was a, a fantastic opportunity, um, quite a unique facility in that you did work with a lot of motorsport athletes, but it was the lab was also open to a lot of endurance athletes, a lot of runners and triathletes and cyclists. So it was a real meshing of a lot of different athletes with a lot of different needs. Um, primarily what we did there was a lot of fitness testing, um, but it sort of doubled as a training facility we had a heat chamber so we did some heat acclimation 
Um, we did some nutritional training and that is as well where I was first introduced to the sweat test um, and the idea of precision hydration. Sort of pre that, I didn't know an awful lot about it. Um, and so when I finished my study, I came on board with precision hydration because at Porsche I'd met Andy, who is the founder of, of PH, of precision hydration. Um, and I think that that move coming on board as their resident sports scientist was sort of a bit of a case of like right time, um, dare I say right person. Um, but what the guys did at, at PH really resonated with me because I think it takes it to a different level. It's such a, a key area for so many athletes that can sort of fly under the radar. I think certainly there's times when just drinking plain water to thirst is okay for some people I think there's many a time when people need to be doing more um, and we can we're going to dive into that in this chat I think but that really resonated with me with my own background as an athlete I was a runner I mainly did track and field so shorter stuff um, but I had always struggled in the heat me in the heat you guys can see I'm a redhead I'm pale we just don't get on me in the heat and I've always struggled I've always been quite a sweaty person. And for me, I would always feel crusty when I've dried off. I'm in the car, I'm driving home, and I can I can feel the salt on my skin. And I was never really too aware of what it was. So as I started to learn more in my sort of career, it was like a real eye-opening sort of experience. And it really hit hit a spot with me with how important it could be for some athletes. And I sort of enjoyed that, um, that idea of, you know, working in a role that could genuinely make a difference to athletes performance so I, I liked that side of things I think as well one more thing we're going on now but with precision hydration I loved I liked the background to the company I think Andy it, you guys have are familiar with Andy and you've listened to him before the story of the business is is fantastic in that the business didn't come about because Andy wanted to start up a business that's not how it happened it was all very organic Andy was trying to solve his own problem and through that came a business. So some of our listeners probably don't know Andy's story. Can you share it with us? Yeah, so Andy was um, Andy was a very good athlete. He was in his younger years a, an elite triathlete. Um, he would compete all over the world, different climates. Um, he'd train all over the world. And it was becoming apparent that when it was cooler, he, he sort of, he excelled he competed really really well he felt like he hit his full potential when he was in the hot it was so frustrating to him and he, he'll tell it really well but he just never performed as well as he could have um, and it all kind of came to a, a head when he was out in Nice in France it was like the GB trials or he'd made the GB team I think um, and it was like the A race of the year and he trained so hard he was in the shape of his life and then it was going to be a really hot day and he's out there and he arrives a few days early. He starts to panic about the heat. He starts drinking, just drinking loads of plain water, you know, days out and the night before and the morning of, and then come the race, he gets on the bike and he's not feeling good. And he's, well, I'm well fueled. I'm fitter than I've ever been. It's got to be hydration. And so he keeps drinking and he basically just drags himself into the medical tent um, you know, gave himself hyponatremia, which I'm sure will we'll come back up in our conversation. But 
um, he, he basically just had an absolute shocker. And, it, and it's a, a real shame because um, he was in the, you know, the prime years as an athlete. Um, and it was only years later when he was kind of past his peak. That's kind of the sad bit of the story. Um, when he was working at Porsche, that he had both a friend and a colleague who was a doctor. And they were just discussing this one day and the doctor enlightened him to the fact that you do lose sodium in your sweat. The doctor sent him to the hospital um, for the sweat test because the sweat test that we offer was originally a test for cystic fibrosis. Um, discovered that he had incredibly salty sweat, like he was really high on the continuum. Started supplementing with more sodium and Andy will say it was like night and day for him. It was like flicking a switch. You know, the difference it made to his performance was remarkable. Um, and because he's he's not only super salty, but super sweaty. He has a big sweat volume. So the two together, and again, we're going to cover all this in more detail as we go on, but the two together make quite a significant net loss. And he was going for hours. And so then he was like, tick, 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 all the factors where this might be a problem Andy was across the board. And so that's why he was running into trouble. And so through that, he very much had an epiphany really and thought, well, if this has helped me to this degree, there's got to be, this can got to help others out there. And so that's where the business grew from then. It, it, it wasn't, you know, I want a new challenge. What can we do? It was, this has helped me, may it help others. And, and it just ran from there because it did. That's so interesting. Yeah, what a great story. Really good. And I'm guessing that there are people out there who are struggling mm. at the end of distance events and this could be the key for them. Yes, some great learnings there. So, Abby, just to start off simple, why do we sweat and why do some people sweat more than others? Good question. So why we sweat? Sweating is so key, um, first of all, so key to our survival. Sweating is our calling mechanism. It's our, our way of keeping cool. And actually, the the more you sweat, that's generally a sign of, of being fitter. Um, I think people have this bit of misconception that it's the person that's unfit, that's struggling at the back, they're red in the face, they're puffing and they're panting, they're sweating loads. That's the They're the unfit ones. Um, but actually, the super fit people... As you get fitter, you sweat more. You sweat earlier and you sweat more. And that's because your cooling mechanism is getting more efficient. Once you start to get too hot and overheat, that, that's a limiter on performance. You know, it gets uncomfortable. It starts to feel harder. So you want to stay cool. Um, so sweating is, is super key. It's not all that pleasant. It's not very nice. Yes, it gets in your eyes, but it's super, super important. Okay. And you touched on this a little bit, Abby. Is all sweat equal? No would be the short answer. Um, so I think that's surprising because you just don't think about it perhaps, but it, the, the concentration of sweat between individuals can be quite significantly different. Um, some people can have lo a low sodium concentration and some people can have a very high, so salty or not salty. Um, and that difference can be up to tenfold. So we've seen, we've tested people as low as sort of 200 milligrams of sodium per litre of sweat that they lose. And we've tested people that lose more than 2,000 milligrams of sodium per litre of sweat. That is a huge yeah, variation in sweat huge. concentration, isn't it? Yeah, yes. and, and that's per litre. So then what you have to factor in is that sweat rate that we sort of discussed, this volume of sweat you lose. How many litres of sweat do you lose per hour? 
So it's how many milligrams of sodium per liter, how many liters per hour, and then you, the third factor is how many hours. So that's the equation that we then look at to get this sort of net number at the end, this net loss. So for all of us runners out there who don't have a Porsche lab to go to to do testing. Or have a Porsche. Well, that too. <laughs> um, can we talk about sweat rate first? Can you give us a bit of a backyard guide to how we work that out? Yeah, so sweat rate isn't too tricky. Um, it's you would weigh yourself before a session and weigh yourself afterwards in really simple terms. And you would look at that weight change. Um, one kilogram is equivalent to one litre. So that is quite nice, easy, simple numbers. Um, if you drink any fluids in that period, then you want to account for that because obviously fluids put in is weight gained that you've not, that's not sweat loss. Um, so measure, uh, weigh your bottle beforehand and weigh your bottle afterwards as well and account for that and then look at how long you've been exercising for. And that starts to build a bit of a picture. So we would encourage people to do that over a few different sessions and make notes over what the session was, the temperature was. And it, it's not an exact science because your sweat rate does change. Whereas sweat sodium concentration is relatively stable, it's sort of largely genetically determined. You're either salty or you're not salty and it just is what it is. Sweat rate will change, as you guys will be aware. When it is a super hot roasting day and it's really humid, you're sweating a hell of a lot more than on a cooler winter day. So you do need to sort of factor that in and, and pay some attention to that. With sweat rate, it's about building sort of these guardrails, knowing the kind of rough area you fall in. And why it's rough is because with sweat rate, the whole reason that we're working it out is to work out how much fluid you're losing overall to sort of get a bit of an idea of how much you need to replace and put back in. But it doesn't need to be 100% like for like. Um, I think that's where people can get a bit stuck or, or people find that a bit uncomfortable because you're getting these numbers and so I know I'm losing this much. Surely I just put that much back in. Um, but for some people that have a really high sweat rate, you know, some people can lose up to two litres an hour. Some people, absolutely obscene, can lose three litres per hour. And so to actually replace that amount of fluid would be completely impractical. You'd run into real, real trouble. The stomach can't absorb fluid that fast. You'd get sloshing in the stomach. You run the risk of hyponatremia, basically diluting blood sodium levels too much. Um, so it's working out roughly how much you lose so that you can be sensible with how much you're putting back in during and also sensible when rehydrating so rehydration that period after exercise is really important it doesn't all need to go back in whilst exercising it's quite normal to finish a period of exercise slightly dehydrated and that's nothing to panic about that's why you have that time after exercise to to utilize that to rehydrate so it's great to know that we don't have to drink like for like mm. because like heavy sweaters, there's no way that you could drink that amount exactly. while you're exercising. Um, so Abby, it's sounding like sweat weight isn't precise and that's because of the different environments that we exercise in and the different intensities we exercise at. I did hear Andy in a podcast talk about a shared a t-shirt analogy um, in respect that you're sort of either a small, a medium or a large, not an exact number. Mm. I, we love that analogy. I think it's such a good analogy. It's, it's basically saying everyone needs a T-shirt um, 
and let's get as close to your size as possible because if you're a large that's far better than wearing a small right and if you're a small it's far better than wearing a large so it's not we're not tailoring it to you we're not getting our measuring tape out and actually measuring you but we're getting it pretty bang close and it's better than just picking one willy-nilly off the rack Abby, you mentioned this notion about drinking to thirst. So how would that compare to having a more strategic approach to your hydration strategy during a race? Absolutely. So this is like a, a question we get quite a lot is, should I drink to thirst or should I drink to a plan? Um, and I think this is where the phrase it depends comes in quite a lot. It's quite hard to give a set answer to that one. And we come to that conclusion quite frequently that it depends. I think that that's closely aligned with what we do, you know, personalized hydration. It's going to depend on the individual. Um, there's a lot of scenarios where drinking to thirst is really sensible, um, particularly in kind of the shorter events. Um, listen to your body signal. If it's thirsty, it will tell you and you just drink. You're not going to run into any major problems by doing that. You're not going to overhydrate and risk hyponatremia and you won't horrifically underhydrate if you're listening to your thirst i think the longer a person goes then there is an argument for drinking more to a, a stringent plan um so we're talking sort of maybe verging into like the ultra kind of event sort of four hours plus um where it becomes a greater need to be a bit more mindful of it because drinking to thirst is you might get it a bit out um, you won't get it horrifically wrong, but you might not get it greatly right. Um, but you'll get through. But you might create a bit of a deficit, which in hour one isn't the end of the world. Hour two, probably not the end of the world. Maybe not even in hour three, if it's not too hot, you're not going too hard. But once you sort of cross that threshold of four, five, six hours, that deficit can suddenly get quite big if you've not been on top of things. And so when you start to step into that realm, being a bit more proactive, um, on your fluid consumption, on your sodium consumption, starts to pay real dividends. Um, and not just pay dividends, but stops you from really messing it up as well. I think it goes both ways. It stops you getting it really wrong and it helps you get it a bit more right and, and a performance enhancer. So I think it's both. Oh, that's great advice, Abby. Mm, that makes sense. It does. Um, Abby, you've described how to measure our sweat rate. Um, now, sodium concentration. Can you talk to us about how to measure that? So the real way, the technical way, but then the way that we can all actually do it. Mm, the taste test. The taste test. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're not far off. Exactly. So yeah. the technical way, what we call our advanced sweat test is um, – it's a process called iontophoresis, which sounds really complex. I love to say it. It makes you sound really sciencey. Um, but we'll just say that again. <laughs> say that again. Iontophoresis. Um, so, and it's not as complex as it sounds, really, in reality. Um, but what we do is we induce a person to start sweating on their forearm. We do it with an inducer, what we call it. We have two discs on the arm and two electrodes. We run an electrical current through them, um, and it. The chemical on the disc is called pilocarpine and it encourages the sweat glands to start to contract on that one part of the arm. So you start sweating really quite intensely on just one spot and then we pop a collector on and we collect the sweat sample. We take it out when we've got enough and we run it through our analyzer for how much sodium's in that. So that's our advanced sweat test and we do offer it in Australia. I think we test in Perth, Brisbane, um, 
maybe the Gold Coast and somewhere else. There's four locations. Yeah, you do have those sites listed on the Precision Hydration Absolutely, website. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, but we fully understand that that, that test is not accessible to everyone, that there is a cost and it's a little bit expensive for some people. Um, and you just logistically, we can't offer it everywhere. So we had to come up with a, well, how can people get a handle on this metric without having the test? And that's where our online sweat test comes in. So we have a 10 question questionnaire um, on our website that is just super simple. It just ask you 10 questions about what you do, how you sweat, what temperature you're in. And it starts to zone you in on the right spot. And it's not perfect, but it, it fits you on that continuum. It says start here. And it comes back to that T-shirt analogy. It, it's fitting you with a size. It's saying, you sh we think you might be small. We think you might be large. We think you might be extra large. So this is where you should start. This is the strategy that we'd recommend. Go and trial it. And then we're really, really big on coming back to us. Come back with, to us with some feedback. Let us know how you've got on. Book a call. Um, sit down with one of the team and we can we can refine this. We can take it to the next step. Let's talk about you specifically, what's going to work for you. Because there's loads of nuances and caveats to a person's hydration strategy. And it, a lot of it comes down to what they're actually doing. What's the event? You know, a triathlon is very different to a run um, or a swim run um, or a, an ultra event. You know, are you carrying your fluids or are you relying on aid stations you know there's lots of different questions that people have I think it's really important that people have the opportunity to sit down with someone and ask them questions because else it can be a bit overwhelming um, the, the online sweat test is a really good start and people have a lot of lot of success with that and it sends you off in the right direction and sometimes people do really well on their own but we're really big on making it clear that there's that option to come and talk to us if you've got questions so, Abby, if someone's getting ready for an event, what are some of the strategies, hydration strategies, pre, and during, and post the event that an athlete can employ, knowing that it depends and knowing that everyone sweats differently? What are some of the sort of the ballpark figures that you could suggest when it comes to an athlete? Yeah, no, this is a good question. What's that kind of like umbrella advice that we can tell most people? And there, there is a bit of that. It does depend and there's nuances, but there is definitely some sort of overall takeaways for everyone. I'd say a big one is that prehydration, like you've mentioned. Um, we already discussed how Andy got it really, really wrong um, out at Nice. He just drank loads of plain water. And what, although sitting here talking about it now, I think we can all sort of see that was going to go wrong and that's not the best thing to do. In Andy's defense, 20 years ago, that genuinely was the hydration advice, was drink, drink, drink. Um, there wasn't any kind of advice about sodium. There wasn't really proper advice about not overdoing it um, and that risk of hyponatremia. It wasn't as big a thing or well known as it is now. So certainly that's not the advice, is, is drink loads of plain water. What we encourage athletes to do is to have one of our higher strength drinks. So we have four different strength electrolyte products and we call them 250, 500, 1000 and 1500. And that's based on how much sodium is in that product. That's literally what they're named after. They're different colors. They're not different flavors. That's like a classic 
people are like the the yellow one it's lemon the purple one it's black currant no there's the colors are purely for the different strengths of sodium and so we would encourage people to have 1500 strength the highest strength um before before the race um before a big event you might even have one the night before you mix up one tablet or one sachet and half a liter of water drink it to thirst particularly in the morning that's quite important you mix it in half a liter but just drink it to thirst don't feel pressured to get that full half liter in just be sipping on it as you feel required and the idea behind that that the science behind that is when you put a bit more sodium into fluid that helps the body retain that fluid better and it all comes down to sodium fluid balance in the body being well hydrated is having sort of a good volume of blood pumping around the body and that's really important because when you're exercising that volume of blood is supplying the muscles it's getting back to the heart and certainly when it's hot it's going to the skin as well so the more blood you've got pumping around the less stress there is on the body to meet all them demands when you start to dehydrate and that blood plasma volume contracts you've got less blood to meet the same demand and so what happens is your heart rate has to step in to meet that demand it has to start pumping a bit harder the demand's still the same but we've got less blood to meet it so the heart's got to pump faster and harder to still get everything to everywhere where it needs it um, so the blood is actually thickening yeah because as you sweat sweat is being drawn from the plasma from the, the liquidy part of the blood so you're right the blood gets thicker as we dehydrate Okay, Abby, that's the pre-race strategy when it comes to hydration and sodium intake. What about during the race? During, there's many options and that, that's probably where it becomes most individualised. Um, firstly, we factor in for a person's sweat sodium concentration, sweat rate. So what do we really think their losses are going to be? So what do we put back in? What strength do we kind of prescribe the person basically are they on our 500 or thousand are they even on our 1500 maybe um for people like andy super salty super sweaty so that's the first step is getting their strength right then you have different kind of questions you know do i use a tablet in every bottle or am i using it in one in every two bottles am i am i even using the tablets or am i using sweat salt capsules um you know what do i take on the bike what versus what do I take on the run? Um, so I think that's where I'd encourage people to go and take the online sweat test first, would be get their strength and then start trialing. Go, you'll get a sort of a breakdown of a plan, read that, go and trial and then come and ask us questions and then we can work with a person because I think there'd be, I could sit here and list option, endless options of what people could do during. Um, it's just so individualised. And what about after the event, Abby? Is there any umbrella advice for after? Typically, after is our 1500 strength again, is our reload strength. Um, again, the phrase it depends comes in to some degree. What has the person done? Is it warranted? Um, but usually it comes back to that you, you're going to be dehydrated to some extent. We want to get on top of that dehydration. Hydration is such a big key part of recovering well um again maybe one that flies under the radar a little bit everyone thinks about the fact that they need to eat but maybe doesn't think too much about their fluids um, but a lot of these recovery methodologies 
are based on good blood flow, getting blood flow around the muscles, back to the, the muscles and helping them recover and heal. Um, but if you stay dehydrated for a prolonged period afterward, then you're not helping yourself. So 1500 strength, um, normally drinking, there's a great paper by um, two researchers that um, says with rehydration, you should aim to drink one and a half times the fluid you've lost. Um, I think a really key bit of advice to caveat with that is not, there's no pressure to get that in immediately and over drink again, coming back to that phrase I've said a few times now, but drink to thirst. But it's, it's that idea that you do need to drink perhaps a little bit more in the time, the few hours after that big race than you've actually lost. And that's because you will inevitably piece them out. You'll keep sweating perhaps in that period. Um, but having that sodium in the drink, again, stops the, the kidneys from just ramping up urine production and just peeing it out, which is, you know, no good to getting that fluid back in. Abby, can you give us a bit of a rundown on the two key negatives that happen if we get um, our hydration wrong? So dehydration and hyponatremia. Um, can you start with dehydration? So the symptoms, you know, what happens to our body, how it impacts our performance? Yeah, so dehydration is a loss of water. It's when you lose more water than you take in, simply. Um, I think there's a there's a big conversation around what percentage of dehydration starts to impair performance. The classic kind of myth, and I'm going to put that in inverted commas, is this 2% rule. You don't want to be any more dehydrated than 2% body weight loss. Um that's not as hard a line as it's been made out to be. That comes very much from, from some older research studies um, that are good. They're not useless, but there was some flaws in their study design in that what they did was they purposely dehydrated athletes before a performance trial. So lo and behold, in the trial where they started really dehydrated, they did worse than when they started well hydrated, which I think we could all guess. And it's not very applicable to real life because what athlete purposely goes into a performance trial dehydrated, you wouldn't actively do that. or You certainly wouldn't do it on purpose. Um, so I think that the, the, the whether it's 2%, whether it's 3%, 4 5%, I think it's pretty individual. Some people seem to be able to tolerate more dehydration than others. I think it is, to some degree, a bit adaptable. People that are out in hot, humid environments that sweat a lot and are suffering quite severe levels of dehydration quite regularly seems to be able to cope with that better than probably myself at the moment, who's had several months of winter, um, and isn't getting that dehydrated because I'm not sweating a lot. Come summer, I'm going to really struggle in them early, in them first few runs because it's going to be a right old shock to the system. Um, classic sort of symptoms of dehydration are thirst for one. When you're dehydrated, you're thirsty. Um, but dizziness and headaches are the classic. And you might experience that in the period after your run. During running, sort of a loss of power or a loss of pace like early fatigue um, an increase in perceived effort it's getting harder um, but it's not potentially due to lack of fitness you just it's that contraction of the blood plasma volume again everything's getting harder cardiac drift the heart's having to step up um, so I'd say all of those things um, with dehydration 
um, start to impair performance. Yes, we've all we've all seen people at the end of marathons, in particular. Mm, yes, you we know, have. Yeah, stumbling around, and it's just horrible to watch. Um, the classic one I remember was the Gold Coast Commonwealth Games. Mm. Uh, I think it was a UK runner. He was coming first, and then in the last K or two, he just stumbled. And he did. yeah, it was horrible to watch. I know, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, Callum Hawkins. Um, yes, that was his name. Mm. Yeah. Oh. Like everyone's heart was in their mouth, yeah, awful. So I think with with him, it was it was definitely a, an instance of dehydration. I think there's a quote of him saying afterwards that he hadn't drunk enough. I think also it's closely related to sort of a bit of heat stroke with him, a bit of heat exhaustion. Yeah, we're just not used to it as Brits. <laughs> So hyponatremia has become more in the public ear in the last five to 10 years. Um, can you tell us about that? Yeah, hyponatremia. Um, so hypo means low and natremia, NA is the chemical symbol for sodium. So what hyponatremia means is low sodium and it specifically means low sodium in the blood. Um, and classically, this is something that athletes have struggled with. Um, I say classically, only really the last couple of decades, and that marries in with this change in fluid advice, this uh, of hydration advice that you need to drink, 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 that happened sort of in the 90s. Um, in athletes, if you overconsume water or fluids, um, it doesn't have to just be water. If you're, if you're drinking a fluid that is quite light on electrolytes, it could also happen. Um, you might... It's, excessive dilution of the blood sodium levels um, and then couple that with the fact that you are sweating and also losing sodium through that channel it's like a double whammy effect um, and so in that instance it's called exercise associated hyponatremia um, because you're, you're getting it through exercise by probably a combination of the two over drinking fluids which is driving down your blood sodium level also you're sweating and so you're losing sodium in that second channel so it's like the blood becomes really watered down yeah it's kind of in the opposite of dehydration in really simple terms dehydration is that contraction of blood plasma volume and it's getting thicker um hyponatremia is probably there are a few causes of hyponatremia but in athletes generally they've drunk too much um, and so a symptom of quite extreme hyponatremia is they might start to swell. Um, that if anyone's experienced swelling whilst running, that's not instantly saying that they've suffered from hyponatremia. There's a, there's a few reasons you might swell whilst running. Um, I suffer quite badly with swelling in my hands um, in the heat. I think that's a heat thing, um, not hyponatremia. Um, but it, it can be a, a symptom of hyponatremia. You've just got too much water on board. And what it is doing is it's being pushed out of the bloodstream into the, the tissues, the surrounding tissues, and you may see some swelling. Um, but other symptoms of hyponatremia, again, headaches, fatigue, um, feeling lethargic, um, muscle weakness, nausea, uh, muscle cramping, much more severely confusion loss of control of limbs um, and seizures and coma is like getting really really serious um, it's definitely a spectrum 
Some of those symptoms actually sound a lot like the dehydration symptoms. Mm, very much so. Exactly. And this was a bit of a problem um, in the early days. Um, in the 90s, there was, there was like a bit of a spree of, of fatalities happening through hyponatremia. Um, and classically, this was happening in, in marathons, um, which isn't an awfully long event. Um, but what was happening was because the advice being given to participants was drink, drink, drink. There was a, a, a leaflet from Gatorade that said something about drinking 16 ounces of fluid. I, I can't remember the time frame, but it was frequent um, and it was in everyone's race packs. So they would go and collect their number and they were reading this leaflet and out on the course on race day, every kilometer there was an aid station and one story just stood out to me there's there was a woman and every aid station every kilometer she was drinking a glass of water but she wasn't that fast she was a recreational runner so it was a cool day so she wasn't sweating that much and she basically just just over consumed fluids and she was in the 20 mile region like not too far off from the finish line she saw a friend and she was you know really struggling like out of it basically wasn't wasn't focused, was losing control of her limbs. Her friend got her to stop or she kind of collapsed. They got the the medical professionals over and they assumed she was dehydrated. Um, and so they, they put an IV drip in her. And this was, a, this was a real problem. You know, the one thing that she didn't need, they gave her more fluid when she was already drowning in, in fluids. Um, and so this was a big, big problem. That the symptoms are quite similar. Um, and that's why you need to look at, take the time to look at what a person's done. Um, and it's less of a problem now because we've, we've seen a real shift in the advice. I think people have, we've moved away from that drink, 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 and we're moving towards being more sensible and this idea of drinking to thirst. Um, and the tides have kind of turned yet again. Um, but it, it was a real, a real problem. Abby, without naming any products, um, there's a lot of runners or triathletes, cyclists out there who grab a sports drink off the shelf and think that they're getting enough electrolytes. Um, can you talk to us about that? Like, are they getting enough electrolytes, enough sodium from those drinks? Um, I think that, again, there's a time and a place for them and they work with some people. I think if, generally speaking, some electrolyte drinks can actually be quite light on electrolytes. They are labelled electrolyte drinks, but if you look on the back of them, how much sodium they actually contain, can typically fall between 200 and 400 milligrams um, mixed as, as per recommended, um, which for some people, if that's where you sort of fall on the continuum, if you're not that salty, if you don't sweat that much, you're not going for that long, perfectly fine. So there's a time and a place. I think if you are a sweaty individual, you, you think you might be quite salty, you're in hot, humid conditions, you're going for several hours, it's unlikely to cater for all your needs. It'll be a bit of a drop in the ocean. It's better than nothing, but the likelihood is it's still creating a deficit that might help you get away with for a few hours, but you know, in, in a half Ironman might not be significant enough for you. So the length of the event is key or the length of the training session. Um, I know we've been talking more in terms of events, but let's say for people who are going out and doing a two-hour long run, is this something they need to be thinking of? Potentially, um, yeah. 
So I'm using potentially now instead of it depends, but it should be the same answer. You might not do it as as proactively as an event, or you're unlikely to. You know, you probably wouldn't need to preload for a two-hour run. Again, it depends. Like there are sort of times when I say to people, like for myself, if I've not not I feel a bit dehydrated towards the end of the day, I've been sat at my laptop all day drinking far too much coffee and not enough fluids not enough proper fluids and I want to go for a decent run I might mix up a tablet before going because I know I'm going to feel better by doing that but that's sort of a rare occasion I'd say most of the times you don't need to preload for a training run it'd probably be more important to have one afterwards and reload and make sure you're getting on top of any dehydration so that come the next session you're in a good place um, you might use something during and again it depends on what that session is um, how long is it going to be? How intense is it? So recovery is important, even just for our training sessions, um, just so that we can come and back it up again the next day. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's such good information. Yeah, that is amazing information. A lot to take in. A lot to take in. Thank you, Abby. Thank you so well, much. And I'm sure people will have lots of questions. So I would just really encourage everyone to take up the 20-minute phone call with one of the sweat experts from the Precision Hydration team. It's a free phone call? It's a free phone yep. call. There's no hard sell, nothing, just great information. Mm. Especially for those um, who are doing an event. Yeah. shortly i know there's a lot of events that are coming up very soon yeah and it'd be great to sort out your hydration as soon as you can yeah get it right well thank you abby thanks abby we appreciate it thank you so much for having me on to chat i think that was really really great how good was that that was fantastic babe great information hey yes there was a lot of information to take in so if you have to listen to it again make sure you do because there was a lot of little nuggets in there that um, yeah. could be missed yeah really valuable stuff mm. um so just to go over the offers again uh there is the if you want 15 percent off their products enter the code jam 15 jam 15 that takes 15% off your first order. If you want to do the Science of Endurance, Endurance Hydration course, which is on the Training Peaks website, you'll need to enter the code PODCAST15. That takes 15% off that course. Mm -hmm. And I think, honestly, one of the most valuable things you could do to help yourself out in your training and for your next event is take up the offer of the free 20-minute consult with one of their sweat experts. I think that's really important, yeah. especially now that there are a number of events that are coming up very yeah. soon. Yeah, we're coming up into event time. Mm. Um, look, we don't get any kickbacks from Precision Hydration for this. I stumbled. No, we don't. <laughs> I stumbled across them um, when I was prepping for my race. I took up the 20-minute consult call and it was the best 20 minutes of um, learning for the race that I, I did. It's a great investment. Yeah, very valuable. Yeah, hugely valuable. Anyway, um, we'll catch everybody at the next podcast. Okay, that's it from us. Enjoy. Okay, bye. Bye.